Welcome to our sermon podcast here at City of Light Anglican Church. We are a new church in Aurora, Illinois, finding a new day in Jesus. We want to see the light of Jesus rise and shine in our hearts, in our homes, and in our neighborhoods. Thanks for joining us for today's message from Father Trevor. This story about the, the prodigal son, that's how it's normally uh, what it's normally called. It comes after two other stories. One story is about a lost sheep. That's at the beginning of the chapter, if you look at verses four through seven. And then the next story is about a lost coin. It's the second story of the chapter. And all of these stories find, all three of these stories, the sheep, the coin, the son, they follow the same pattern. Something of great value is lost. A sheep is lost. A coin is lost. A son is lost. And then someone diligently searches until that thing of value is found. And when it is found, there's great rejoicing and everyone is invited to take part of the rejoicing. And I thought about things being lost and things being found and I realized I have told you so many stories about things I've lost because I lose things all the time. So I've told you stories about losing pacifiers and losing car keys and I was like, oh no, I've used up all my lost and found stories, but God is gracious. And on Thursday, I was cleaning my van, and uh, there was an orphan uh, disc, a CD, on the center console, and it was a library CD, and I looked around for the case it belonged to. I couldn't find it, and so I hit the little button that opens the lid of that center console, and it opened, and the CD slipped behind into a secret compartment that has no way to get into it. It's, it's there just so things that fall off of it will never be found. So I searched diligently for it with pliers and other things to try to get down in there. But this story ends differently than the ones in our text. It does not end with rejoicing. Um, it was a thing of great value. Do you know how much they charge you when you lose disc 11 of the Redwall series audiobook at the library? Um, so it was of great value, um, but this story ends with despair. The story of the lost son follows that same pattern. Something of value is lost. Someone searches until it's found, and then we're invited to rejoice. Let's take a look at how that works in this passage. Verse 12, the younger one says to his father, the younger son, give me my share of the estate. He's asking for his inheritance. And asking for your inheritance is before your parent has died is like saying, I wish you were dead. I wish he'd get out of the way already. This was unheard of in the ancient world. It was a public insult. How does the father respond to this rejection? Is he furious? Does he punish his son for it? Does he say, go back into the house now? Does he make his son obey him? Verse 12. So he divided his property between them. He loves his son so much, he's willing to allow himself to be rejected by that son. He loves his son so much, he's willing to receive all of that son's hatred and anger and rejection toward him. Verse 13, the son leaves, and I wonder what it felt like 
for that father to watch his son go off to his ruin. The son is lost. The son of great value is lost. Not only is the son lost, but in verse 14, we see that he spends all of his inheritance. He wastes it on wild living. And now there's a famine and he has nothing. His situation's desperate. Not only is the son lost, but the inheritance is lost. All of his resources wasted. In verse 16, he's feeding pigs. He's in a foreign country. He's got a job feeding pigs that would have violated all of his cultural and religious heritage and beliefs. He would have been working on the Sabbath day, so he's not keeping the Sabbath, the center of his religious practice. And now he's feeding pigs which are unclean. So he, just by doing that job, has now lost all of his spiritual heritage as well. Everything is gone. He's hit rock bottom. Or kids, if you like, we could say he's hit piggy bottom. And then there's this beautiful phrase. Verse 17, read it there with me. He came to his senses. Praise the Lord. Sometimes it takes us hitting rock bottom to come to our senses. But he came to his senses. And he says, verse 18, I will set out and go back to my father. An older translation of that verse says, I will arise and go to my father. It's where we get that song we sing during Lent. I will arise and go to Jesus. Why? Because he will embrace me in his arms. And how does the father respond? Is he furious? Is he passive aggressive? That would be, I think, my default response. Oh, hey, how was your trip? He's like wearing the rags of a peasant who's been working in a pig pen. It's like, oh, is that the fashion of the far-off country these days? No. The father doesn't respond like that. He doesn't sit him down and give him a lecture about consequences and actions and decisions and choices. He sees him a far way off. Look what it says. He was filled with anger? No, he's filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him. He embraces him. He kisses him. There's there's even more going on in that response of the father than we kind of get at first glance. Because the son coming back to this village is also a social dynamic. He has rejected his hometown his son. He has rejected his family heritage and house, and he's done it publicly. Everyone knows that this son insulted his father, took his inheritance, and and left. (laughs) Kenneth Bailey is a theologian who spent four decades living in the Middle East and and learning and studying the culture and and, and learning and studying the uh, Middle Eastern writings about Scripture, and he says, Here's what would have happened. As soon as the prodigal would have reached the edge of the village and be identified, a crowd would have begun to gather. He'll be subjected to taunt songs and many other types of verbal and even physical abuse. And the father is fully aware of how his son will be treated. If and when he returns in humiliation to the village community he's rejected, what the father does in his homecoming scene can best be understood as a series of dramatic actions calculated to protect the boy 
from the hostility of the village to restore him to fellowship, not just with his own house, but with the whole community. He runs to him, and before anyone else can see him, talk to him, identify him, he publicly reconciles with him to protect him, not only to welcome him into his home, but to shield him from all the shame that his betrayal would cost him, to mitigate every consequence that he can for his son. He ran. Old Middle Eastern guys didn't run. Wealthy Middle Eastern men did not run. He humiliated himself to go protect his son from humiliation. He embraces him and he kisses him. That's the sign of reconciliation. He puts the robe and the shoes and the ring. That's a sign that he's welcomed home as son. Everything is forgiven. His inheritance, his sonship is restored. And he says, listen, the son, he says, I messed up. Let me make it up to you. I don't expect to be a freeloader in your house. Let me work. I'll earn my keep. I might not ever be able to pay you back, but I could maybe pay back something. Let me be a worker. I don't expect you to be my dad anymore, but maybe you could be my boss. And the interesting thing that's happening is that in this culture, him going back as a servant actually helps him save some face. It actually helps him save some honor and dignity to say, I'll be, I'll be a servant, I'll work. People don't have to know that I screwed up as much as I did. To be received as a son meant he had to completely face his utter failure. And he had to receive everything as gift. Don't we do this with the Lord? I need something from you, God. But I'll make it up to you. I'll pay it back to you. We keep God at this distance. I'll let you be my boss, but I don't want you to be my father. If you ever watch the American television show, The Office, the American version, there's something that happens in it that doesn't happen in the British version, and that is you like Michael. He's likable, right? You get every so far, they must have like an a algorithm for this, but every so many episodes, he does something where you have compassion on him. And it's usually around the reality that he's so lonely, right? He just wants a friend. He just wants a spouse. But especially, he just wants kids, And so he treats all his employees like that instead of employees, and he's a terrible boss for it. But you resonate with him because he just wants a family. God's not lonely. But he doesn't want employees. He wants children. In this story, the son comes back and says, I'll I'll just work for you. And the dad goes, I don't want you to be a servant. I want you to be a son. You can never pay me back. You can never earn forgiveness. You don't have to. You couldn't. You receive. Come rejoice with me. I found 
in the first story my sheep. I found in the second story my coin. I found in this story my son. He had been lost, all of his inheritance wasted, but the father spends all of his resources on finding. And when he's found, all of the the waste is restored to the son. All of his inheritance is restored to the son. And everything the father has is spent on the son to celebrate. The lost son teaches us to repent, teaches us to believe in the forgiveness of God. It teaches us to treat God not like a boss, but like a father. Repentance doesn't mean we make up for what we've done. We don't pay God back. Repentance doesn't mean we wait until we have things in order. We've fixed our mistakes. If you tarry till you're better, you will never come at all. God doesn't want us to live for him as much as he just longs for us to live with him. This story is not just about one lost son. There are two sons. Verse 11, there was a man who had two sons. And it turns out that both sons are lost. Verse 28, the older brother, when he hears about everything that's happening, he became angry and he refused to go in. The younger brother leaves the household. The older brother refuses to return to the household when the party's happening. This would have been a public insult. A banquet like this, everyone from the village is invited. The older son doesn't come back and they're all going, Where's your older son? Shouldn't he be back from the field by now? It's a public insult, just like the insult of the younger brother. Where is the older son? He's outside. He's lost. What does the father do? He does the same thing he did with the younger son. He goes out to him. He goes out to meet him. Verse 28. Read that with me. So his father went out and pleaded with him. And the son responds, look. That's capturing the, the insult there. All through this story, there have been appropriate titles used to address each person in the family, and it's missing there. He won't even call him father. He won't call him anything. He disrespects him, and he says, I've been slaving away for you. Slaving. That's an angry word. <laughs> it's not a family word. It's not a son and father word. He's acting like it's a labor dispute over lost wages. Look at the bitterness in this son's heart. Why does he get that? Look what he did. Why don't I get that? Look what I've been doing. He says, I've been obeying you. Well, didn't come into the banquet. That wasn't obeying. And what's the root of that type of comparison? It's this belief that I do this I get this. Can you say that with me? I do this, I get this. That's not how the gospel works. That's not how God interacts with us. The older son says, hey, I did all these things for you. Where's my wages? Where's my blessing? Where's my inheritance? I did it, I get it. That's not how the father works. 
What you do does not determine what you get from God. You living what looks like a good life does not entitle you to the blessings of God. You messing up your life does not prevent you from getting the blessings of God. God shows his forgiveness, not because we deserve it, but because he desires it. But the older son has this transactional thing going on. I do, I get. What's he acting like? He's acting like a hired servant. He's acting like a a worker. Give me my wages. He's not acting like a son. And when he says, so I can go celebrate my friends, that's culturally coded language. What he's saying is, if you weren't around, I could do what I want with what's mine. He's saying, I wish you were dead. It's the same insult of the younger brother. And how does the father respond to this rejection? Is he furious? Yeah. Is he, is he furious? Does he punish his son? Does he say you get inside right now and force him to obey? No. He allows himself to be rejected out of love for his son. And look at his response in verse 31. He says, my son, my son, I want you to be a servant. Don't act like a servant. You're my son. Everything I have is yours. You haven't lost anything. You can't earn an inheritance, but you don't have to. I give it to you. Your brother can't earn an inheritance, but he doesn't have to. Rejoice with me. I found one of my sons who was lost. Whose betrayal is worse? The son who won't follow his ways and who leaves or the son who stays but won't follow his father's ways? The son who is humble and repentant or the son who thinks he's more right than his father? There's a Middle Eastern theologian named Ibrahim Said. He calls the younger son an honorable sinner and the older son a hypocritical saint. The younger son distances himself from the father by leaving. The older son distances himself from the father while staying. You are in the house of the Lord this morning. Is your heart distant from the father? Is there bitterness growing in you because you haven't gotten what you've wanted? Because he hasn't given you what you think you deserve. Because you've tried to live for him and things haven't gone the way you wanted. Because he's blessed somebody else, you feel like he hasn't blessed you. Is your heart in a far off country from the Father this morning, even though you're here sitting in his house? Are you treating him like a boss, not a father? Are you trying to earn your keep or pay him back? This story is told to people like the older lost son. People who have received the love of God, but who refuse to share it. 
people who have received the love of God, but then over time think that they've somehow earned it. How many churches are filled with older brothers like that? How many of our thoughts are filled with thoughts like that? We start out as younger sons, knowing that we receive forgiveness without strings, but somewhere along the line, we end up as older sons, thinking we got to pay it back or earn it, or thinking that we deserve more. Yet this passage is an invitation to come home for those of us who have done all the wrong things and for those of us who have put our faith in doing all the right things. This is an invitation to come home to the Father and simply receive his love. And we as a church, we will never see younger lost sons come home to the Father if we act like older lost sons. We'll never see it. So the lost sons teach us to repent, but they also teach us to rejoice. The older brother did not share the heart of the father, but we can ask for the heart of the father. We can ask to rejoice in what the Father rejoiced in. Jesus is telling this story to a group of Pharisees. And the Pharisees look at Jesus, the religious leaders, the ones who look like they've got their life together. They look at Jesus and they go, he's eating with people who have messed up. He's eating with sinners and tax collectors. He's eating with the riffraff. And Jesus goes, you better believe I am. And the Father rejoices every time someone comes home to him. And Jesus turns to those Pharisees, those religious leaders, and goes, won't you rejoice with me? Won't you let what makes the father heart, Father's heart glad make your heart glad too? Won't you realize that you need this forgiveness too? God's grace is enough for those who've lived their life away from God and done terrible things. God's grace is enough for those who've lived a quote-unquote good life and feel like they don't need the forgiveness but God receives sinners. He receives lost younger brothers. He receives lost older brothers. He receives everyone who will come to him and repent, who will rejoice over what makes his heart glad. And so we as the church receive everyone who will repent and who will rejoice. And we can be like the father in this passage. We can say, Holy Spirit, give me eyes to see people when they are far off. We can be like the father who stands on the porch of the house looking for people. Holy Spirit, show me people who are in the pig uh, pen, who have hit rock bottom. Show me people who are ready to return to the father. Show me how to embrace them, kiss them, welcome them, protect them from every consequence of their sin that we can. Invite them into the house. Give them an inheritance. Holy Spirit, show us how we can do that, that we can rejoice in what rejoices the heart of the Father. Do you know how hopeless and lonely it is to be in a far country, away from the love of the Father? How many 
of you were at a rock bottom moment when you came to City of Light. Many of you have shared those stories. And the Father embraced you and welcomed you in. Something of value is lost, you and me. But the Father searches and searches until he finds us, and then there is great joy. The Father wants every lost son and lost daughter back in his house. But this story doesn't have an ending. Look at verse 31 and 32. The Father says, come on in. Everything I have is yours. Join in the party. Rejoice. Because he was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This story is intricately outlined. It's like a poem. And every line rhymes until it gets to the last line and it's missing. What does the older brother do? Is he found? Is there great rejoicing in heaven? Will you be found? Will you let the father welcome you in? The younger son lets himself be found. We don't know if the older will. Will you? Will you let yourself be found with no strings attached, with no, I've got to make this up, or I've got to do this, or I've got to contribute this? with no, I deserve this or I want to get this, but to just let yourself be found, not as a servant, but as a son or a daughter. You let yourself be found. Repent. Rejoice. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Thanks for listening to this podcast from City of Light Anglican Church. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us online at cityoflightanglican.org. And now, may the light of Jesus scatter the darkness from before your path.